What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. I'm Turner, and I'm in the studio with Rosie. What's up, Rosie? How you doing? Hey, man. I'm doing well. Yeah? Yeah. I'm not sick. You're not sick. That's good. Which, today in these days, is good. That is very good. Yeah, I would say that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Got a lot of TP, Got even though it doesn't matter. Oh, hey, can you send some of that TP over to the Miles household? We need yeah, you, some. you give me like $6,000. <laughs> I don't have six grand, but I got six s- rolls, six rolls for six grand. Oh man, that's, it's steep. I guess so. I'll have to, can I Venmo you that? Yeah. PayPal? Or you, you know, you could just always, you know, do something like a normal human being and use uh, paper towels. Yeah. Or something like that. Oh dude, you know what? I already had a great idea. Go, what were you going to say? My great idea was that we, um, like they make diapers, yeah. like cloth diapers. Yeah. You just wash them. Yeah. So you just keep a basket next to the trash can. Yeah. You just use the cloth diaper just use socks just use old t-shirts yeah you just wash them yeah so if you're out of toilet paper that's your answer yeah we we had we went to go look for some today because we are actually running low yeah and we we're like we're not like everyone else where we're gonna go and like uh find toilet paper like hoard to- toilet paper yeah. you know, like everyone else was doing we'll get it when we need it because yeah. we're i want to say we're sane yeah <laughs> yeah we're not we're not fear mongering yeah. or anything else. Anyways, yeah. They were all out. Everyone was out. Yeah. Looked like it looked stupid in the grocery store and stuff. Yeah. Well, you know what my dad uh, told me today? What's that? They they uh, my dad and my mom went shopping in Costco today. Yeah. And uh he was he was like, "Hey, I bought a bunch of uh a little rougher toilet paper." <laughs> and I was like, "What do you mean?" And he said uh he's like, "We got He's like, they're out of toilet paper, but they were not out of paper towels. And he's like, no one thought about paper towels. They have tons of paper towels. Yeah. So literally, we no have, one's been buying t- paper towels when you just think. We have tons of paper towels. Just, yeah. you know, it's oh, all paper. Yeah. I guess you just want to clog your toilet up, I guess. But yeah, yeah. keep a plunger. Yeah, keep Good a plunger. Go. Or just put yeah. it in a trash bag. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, we have a great episode. This is a great episode. We have yeah. we have Doctor <coughs> Lou Wing on the episode with us. We're going to have a candid discussion about Corona, and he is a the coronavirus, not the beer. Right, right, exactly. He is a uh, leading epigeneticist. He's been on before on our podcast about epigenetics. You guys love him. Yeah, he's been. It's one of our most popular episodes. Ever. Yeah, I get asked but, all the time, when is he going to come back? Yeah. Well, guess what. He's back. <laughs> you can you can thank the Wu Wu Tan Wu Tang clan, the Wuhan clan of uh, Wuhan. yeah, the Wuhan virus, because that's where he, why we brought him on. He actually sent me a text message, and um, basically on his text message, he he was he sent me a Bible verse, <laughs> and it was kind of a tongue in cheek tongue in cheek uh, Bible verse out of Job, and we'll talk about it when we get into the op- episode. But he. Uh, I was like, dude, you need to come on the podcast again. I want to hear what you have to say about the the coronavirus. He goes, I'm working on it right now. Nice. So, um, anyways. Uh, well, here, since here's a really funny thing. Since you said Wu Tang, yeah, yeah, I found this. Okay. Uh, it's this is Wu Tang, in regards to the Wu Han. Okay. So, W, wash hands. Oh. U, use mask properly. T, touch nothing. A, avoid large crowds. N, never touch your face with your unclean hands. G, go to the hospital if you have severe symptoms. 
So there you go. That's really good advice. There you go. Just remember Wu Tang. Wu Tang, baby. That's right. And that's those pieces of advice are nothing to f with. That's right. That's right. So is that your? Did you know? No. Or what do you know? So did you know that that the U.S. Army made up five countries? No. Yeah. So it says uh, when they're trying to do combat um, readiness, yeah, preparations, uh, war games, and stuff like that. Yeah. They want to make it as realistic as possible, but they can't like prepare to go to war with a particular country because if they prepare, like, so gotcha. If the army all of a sudden is like, "Hey, we're gonna do, we're practicing on invading uh, Iran," yeah, and they do war games specifically targeting Iran, yeah, Iran's gonna think they're gonna go to they're war. They're gonna with go this. to war with us. <laughs> so yeah. the the army made up um, back in 2015. They made up with. Uh, five made-up countries, each with different uh, backstories and everything like that. And uh, they were called Arania, <laughs> A-R-I-A-N-A, All right. Atropia, Donova, Gorgas, and Lemuria. Okay. The only and, one that sounds like a real country that would be Iran, Ar- yeah. Arania. And uh, they're clustered in... Uh, 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 it says a, ca- a fictional Caucasian landscape <laughs> that stretches between the real world borders of Russia and Iran. Together, <laughs> the five states comprise the so-called decisive active action training environment or date. Cool. So pretty, pretty cool that they actually, now you know the countries that, uh, you know, they have their training for. Yeah. It gives That's you an cool. idea. They probably all, all five of them probably have different, yeah, they're all geographical style. Of, yeah. yeah, like one's mountainous, one's desert, one's you know city. Exactly. Yeah, cool. That's awesome, man. That's a good. Did you know? I like yeah, that thanks. one. Army's always prepared, mm-hmm. ever ready. All right. So, uh, you ready to jump into this podcast? Yes. Okay. Because I'm excited about this podcast, and I think um, I think our listeners will be too. So, uh, sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. Well, everybody, it is so awesome for us to have this guest on the podcast uh, for this episode. And, uh, you know, um, before we do it, I have a, Rosie, I have a theme song for him. And and so I'm going to just play it right now and we're going to hear this amazing theme song. I want to welcome Lou Wing to the show. (laughs) Lou, how you doing, man? I'm sorry. I got to shut my disco ball off for a second. <laughs> that's, that was amazing. That was great. That's called, wow. that's called wash your hands. <laughs> I, I gathered. Wow. That's really profound. I, I, yes. I couldn't Thanks. think, I couldn't think of a better, uh, I couldn't think of a better song 
for everything yeah, that yeah. that we're facing. And uh, you last Sunday you you sent me a text, um, and it was out of Job, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I want to read it. Yeah. Real, I want to read it real quick. I just got to open up my phone here and pull it up. And uh, yeah. it was out of Job, chapter seventeen, verse nine. It says, uh, "Yet." Yet the righteous will hold to his way, and he who has clean hand will be stronger and stronger. Amen. <laughs> and I thought I thought that was perfect verse for everything. So for our for our listeners that don't know you, you were on um, about a year ago, um, and we did an entire uh, episode on epigenetics. And uh, right. you have been um, learning on epigenetics and studying about them. But your original yeah. doctorate work was with, uh, if I'm not mistaken, bloodborne disease. Yep. Well, yeah. Exactly. Well, it was in, it's in blood, and in, in general, and in blood coagulation, and um, cardiovascular disorders in general. Mm. Um, I my background is in plasminogen activator, which is one of the major enzymes responsible for blood clotting and blood dissolution. So, like, it's like was one of the first biotechnology derived drugs tissue plasminogenic that's used and it's an endogenous protein we all have it we just have it at a really low concentration so I was part of a, a team that developed not only that protein as a drug but also understood its behavior in your body toxicology pharmacokinetic stuff so that that was my original research and I've been kind of in the cell biology infectious diseases world for the last 25-30 years now and I'm a wow. consultant with an organization that really is people with their submissions um, through the FDA channels and ultimately the approvals. So that's, that's kind of what I've been doing. I, I write a lot of documents in pharmacology and um, kind of understand the mechanism of action of drugs in general. And, you know, one of the areas specifically in vaccine development is that the, the whole idea about how do we look at this as a drug? How do you approve something like this? And, and we can go all into the idea of what that vaccine, vaccine actually is. And that's a, a paper I'm putting out very soon as well. Because so many of the millennial generation are so paranoid of vaccines because I don't think they really understand what they are. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a different topic. But the, the whole idea with what's happening with the current situation um, coronavirus, the SARS-19 is really, you know, it's, it's very similar to what we were experiencing with the swine flu and this whole idea about how we could you possibly have something as virulent or even more so and how does this virulence intensify with different types of viruses. And so um, however you want to discuss this, I'm happy to do any kind of questions or anything i'm happy to discuss them with you yeah so that one of what's that say first it's important to uh thank you for the introductions just so i just want (laughs) to take a step forward and say so you know what you're talking about (laughs) when we about to go into this is that uh uh uh, dr wing knows what he's talking about we're not all crazy people (laughs) he's very respected and yeah, uh, I just want to put that yeah. disclaimer out there in case anyone tries to. Well, I also want to add to this that he's so Dr. Wing is not only is he a professional and and he's uh, you know an expert in this field, mm-hmm. in his field and in this field, but he also is a strong believer. He's yes. a Christian, 
And so yeah. one of the reasons that I was excited about having you back on the podcast in particular about this issue, because there's a ton of misinformation that's flying around on mm-hmm. the internet. And, and it seems like, well, obviously no one trusts fake news. So mainstream media, right. even if they're getting the story right, there ha- people don't believe them a lot of times. Um, a whole segment of our population anyways doesn't believe them. And then when you go to the mm-hmm. internet, then you have just people with that are just trying to build an audience and they'll mm-hmm. say the most crazy things and people believe it because they don't have discernment and they don't understand yeah. the facts. And so what my yeah. my hope was is that you could open up the discussion about what is the coronavirus and if you have yeah. any and, and and then I have a question I don't know where this is going to fit into the conversation, but you can answer it if you want, or you can say, don't worry about it or whatever. But my, my, yeah. my big burning question is, is was this a man-made thing mm. virus? Sure. Was it manipulated by man? Was it made by man? Was it released by man? If you know any of those yeah. things and you can highlight those, that'd be good for me personally. But, um, and I was going to say, just before we get into that, you were telling us, um, doctor about, uh, uh-huh. The, the position that you're working on with uh, with that organization. Um, the task in, force. In the task force. If, yeah. Could you start off with that as well? Because that's so mm-hmm. cool. Uh, and then before mm-hmm. going into it, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, okay. Um, the organization I work with is uh, called Parasail International, and it's the largest of consulting firms in drug development. And the groups that we have, as I said, within China and Europe and the United States, we have individuals that are trained specifically not only in understanding what we call non-clinical toxicology and pharmacology, but um, understand the cultures, because that's, and that's why we have consultants in those various regions. And within the Wuhan region, our understanding is, and this is why, you know, it's so often can be misinterpreted and misunderstood because as you, we all know, the government in China, even with the employees that are there have difficulty in, um, absolute truth and understanding what's actually happening at different universities and so on. Cause it is, as I've been there several times, um, it's very easy to conceal information and, um, sadly to adulterate it, which is, um, can often be the case. However, with this situation, this virus is one that is of the family of coronaviruses. Coronaviruses are called coronavirus because they have a radiant looking envelope around them. So it's all based on their, literally their corona. And they have the same sort of distribution of the H's and N's on their capsid, which that orientation is really what defines its type of a reaction that happens when it goes into your body. And it's that orientation, whether it be H5N1, H1N1, so on. It's, it's the distinction of the H's, which is the um, hyaluronidases and the neuronidases. Those are two different types of proteins that facilitate the virus entering into a host cell. If you remember, a virus is a very unique organism because it's neither alive nor dead. It doesn't have, it's called acellular for a reason because it has nothing in it whatsoever for metabolism. It has no ability to function on its own. So when you see pictures of viruses and so on, they're literally a non-living entity. They're, they're nothing. 
and we were so afraid of them only because of their ability to attach to a host cell. They require that in order for them to be, quote, alive. And the only living aspect of them is that once they enter into a host cell, all that they deliver is a small piece of their RNA or DNA and an enzyme that enables their replication within that cell. That's it. They use your cell's entire machinery to replicate itself. And that's really its only objective. But what it actually does is it enters into a cell, and instead of it just replicating itself, it becomes Hitler. And it literally takes over the management of the entire cell, and it becomes a virus factory. And so the, the key is, is preventing entry into those whole cells, really what you know the whole idea about drug development is. But sadly, it's always the case is that you're, we're always behind the clock on this because we can never predict what isolate or what variant of the given viruses because they're all mutating so quickly. It's very difficult to make an absolutely perfect vaccine. So the goal is to have some sort of a prophylactic where we can actually prevent the virus from entering. And there's certain ideas out there, there's nutritional things and so on that are available. But by and large, it's difficult for us to have, just like we would do in our regular drug development, we want to block the entry of a bacteria, say, or you know, any kind of a cellular interaction or something, or a molecule that would enter into a cell to cause its lethality, versus something like this, where it is, viruses are ubiquitous. Your body is loaded with them, as a matter of fact, you have a lot of viral RNA and DNA already in your cells. So it's how it's activated and how its machinery happens within a given cell. So everybody's immune system is unique. So some people can get the same amount of virus and have absolutely no symptoms whatsoever. And some get it and have an extremely radical reaction to it. So we can't really judge to whom is going to have the worst outcome and who isn't. That's why so these epidemiological studies are so difficult because there isn't a normal pathway like a bacterial infection or like even, you know, some sort of a general dysfunction, like even to the extent of cancer, for example, is that we can gauge those types of disease processes, but we certainly haven't really challenged with bacterial infections because of that method of infection and thus the, um, the mortality rate. That's why the ones that we look at with this particular virus, you can only look at populations and estimate, you know, mortalities and asymptomatic and so on based on what is already presenting. And we always look at it like three or four weeks after this has already happened. So we're always looking mm -hmm. in post-evaluation, right? Because we can't stand it. We're trying to get to the front of the curve on this one, but it's happening very quickly. And that's why it's called SARS, because sudden acute respiratory, sudden Acute, mm. meaning that you have one to five days that you show symptoms and you immediately enter into the, 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 the thrust of the disease. And most often, from the, the majority of people that really suffer the ones that have these acute respiratory outcomes, you're thinking, like, we don't see that. We see that in the elderly right now. We see that also in those that are, have some sort of respiratory compromise. And that's why what it is is respiratory compromise because this virus attacks specifically a cell called the macrophage, which is in your lungs. And once it goes to the macrophage, it, it's the, it's, that's the kind of cell that mops up all the junk. It's literally your vacuum cleaners of mm. your lungs. Mm. And all the particulates that come into your lungs, what you're doing is it's just in, non, you know, 
indiscriminately gobbling it up. And what it ultimately does is once it gobbles it up, it chews it into pieces and it presents pieces of it to an interesting cell in your immune system called a T cell. We talked about T cells maybe in the past with mm-hmm. HIV and so on. It's the same idea, is that those pieces are presented to a T cell, then the T cell takes a mirror image of that piece and presents it to the B cells that make antibodies, and that's how you have an immune response. What happens with this particular virus is that it goes into a macrophage and it distorts this presentation to the T cell. So the T cells are literally become bystanders. We're like, we know there's something wrong, but we don't know what's happening, and it bypasses that. And this is, this is believe it or not, this happens within the epigenetics of what's happening within the cell itself. It's the way this gene is expressed, and the, the genomics is something that, you know, happens from a variety of ways, which I, I can't go into at this point in the detail, but I can say that there is a gene expression that this virus alters that prevents mm. the T cells from reacting. And this happens in, in certain immune systems of different individuals, and most often it's in the elderly, because of their, you know, I don't want to say failing, but older immune response, and it isn't nearly as acute as ones that would be in the younger generation. Although, and there, you could say there's always exceptions. Yes, there are. And this is what makes it such a, what we call an idiopathic and misunderstood disease process. So all that to say is that what do we do about this? Then how can I prevent this? Well, there are certain nutritional things that you can do. Obviously, you know, if, when we eat right, what we're doing is we're not trying to fight off the virus. We're trying to beef up our cells and our cells' awareness. So it's really a focus on the healthier my cell, the more the awareness of a viral virion attacking that cell. Sleeping, eating right, and all those kind of traditional, you know, normative things are critical for viral infection. And as the, as the song goes, one of the most important, if not the most essential, is my hands. Why are my hands so important? Because these are the ultimate inoculators of my entire body. If you watch somebody's hands in, within an hour, you will notice that they will touch their, their face in some way about 50 to 100 times. Wow. And we think, no way, no way. And you'll watch, try it sometimes. After washing your hands, doing off, watch what happens with your hands right after you wash them. <laughs> I guarantee you, we wipe them with a towel, we walk out of the room, the first thing we do is we pick them up instantly. And we'll rub their eyes. And I'm not kidding you, it's a, it is absolutely miraculously crazy how autonomic, unconscious our hands are with our faces. So that's why the whole concept of washing your hands frequently is so important. And I'm just going to put a biblical phrase in here because of Numbers 19. There is something so profound about how God's prevention of viral contagion is so profoundly presented. And he uses four methods for washing the hands. And I can I just tell them to you? Sure, please. You, you mind? It's right out of the book of Numbers chapter 19. Okay. And what it tells you is this. These guys were showered with water. In other words, they have running water. It's not stagnant water. Mm-hmm. Number two, they use time. You don't just do a drive-by for a couple of seconds. Their washing was over a period of seven days. I mean, these guys didn't just put their hands on their knees and say, it, it was a period of time of absolute washing. It was now we're saying 15 to 20 seconds. 
for the way we normally do it, that may feel like eternity for some people. But the duration of time is basically the time to sing happy birthday. So if you sing happy birthday while you're washing your hands, that's about 15 seconds. So think about that in the future. <laughs> and then one of the other most profound things is they use hyssop. And if you think about hyssop, it, its core contains thymol. And if you look at hyssop, um, you know, chemical ingredients that are in it, thymol is the main ingredient that's used in Listerine, an antiseptic. Oh. So God wants an antiseptic because what it does is it slows growth. It would often, yes, we would like to say it's bactericidal or virucidal, but it's actually a, a growth stopper or a pathogenicity stopper, if you will. So it's that thymol was essential in the washing process or the hyssop. And then further, what they also required was that you would use an absolute scrubbing process with wood fiber. And what was that saying? It means vigorous scrubbing. I mean, you weren't just to just, you know, take that is vigorous scrubbing with what would detach any of that most often bacteria, the viruses that have the potential to adhere into really bizarre surfaces. And they can, then they're so infinitely small that they can really hang out and sequester in places that you can't even dream of. So those four things that are alluded to in the book of Numbers 19 haven't changed. And that's why it's still the most effective way of, yes, with the social distance and all, but let me just say a comment about that. The most important thing isn't social distance, it's spiritual closeness. And you gotta remember that that spiritual closeness that we have to our brothers and sisters in Christ produces the key chemical to our behavior to alleviate anxiety. Because you gotta remember, the lack of touch, that attachment disorder, is one of the greatest ways of producing an anxiety, which also plays a major role in immunodeficiency. As a matter of fact, the people that died of leprosy were the ones that were in isolation. Why? Because they wouldn't die from leprosy. The isolation caused them to become immunosusceptible to the real killer there. It wasn't the mycobacterium leprae, it was the mycobacterium tuberculosis. Hmm. They would get the tuberculosis and they die of that because of isolation and the isolation because of their not only loneliness, but detachment and social estrangement was what was a major factor wow. in their form of death. So I, I, coming to a conclusion on all this, I would say um, those, those major factors are critical in, in these days that we're in right now. And you know, as much as Anthony Fossey, who I highly respect, is one of the leading authorities, so he was like one of the major authorities throughout the beginnings of the HIV crisis. I, w I definitely listened to him. I listened to a lot of the team members around that as well. And, you know, staying attuned to what's happening, yes, in the news, and not letting it, you know, destroy our walk with the Lord, but just being aware of the fact that as believers, our anxieties, we can do something with them. Because, you know, we have every right to be anxious at this point, but mm -hmm. Jesus gives us this command, even in this, to be anxious for nothing, because it will have a damaging effect on our immune system. So there's a biological rationale for him to say, be anxious for nothing as well. Not just, oh, come on, don't worry about it, guys. No, there is, that's, a, that's a prescriptive statement, be anxious for nothing. Because I have to bring my thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, Isaiah 26.3. What is that saying? That means if I don't do that, then I will harness these thoughts myself 
And then what happens is all that self-talk can become this reality because, you know, we can say it's, you know, a self-induced infection or something. No, it's, it's, you're causing a immune deficiency in general. That's why it's important for us to really be serious about understanding that he gives us perfect peace when our minds are stayed on him. Mm-hmm. He meant that for a reason. Yeah. So wow, I'm not, I'm not mad at you. I'm just trying to make a point here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no anyway. I'm, I'm not worried about you being mad at me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, so uh, as you were talking there about just how these, these SARS, these SARS virus, how they, they go yeah. in, they, they hijack the cells and then they multiply. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. so, so I'm just kind of like in my mind trying to think of how, okay. So how does it come from, like, how does it come from a certain region? Like, where did it come from? Was it just existing and we just okay. happened to stumble on this thing? That's a great question. And coronaviruses are ubiquitous. They're, they're literally, and they can often be regional. What happened with this particular one is that this one for some reason, and which we still to this day have no idea how a bat and how other sort of avian mixtures occurred, and whether or not this was, you know, the question was, were they man-made? Well, mm. you know, as much as we would love to say and give credit to somebody making something as ingenious as this, <laughs> very often when we have these zoonotic diseases, that's what they're called, when we have this human and animal combination, they're called, that's called a zoonotic um, but Virion, those can occur from a diet. It can occur from a variety of cultural um, behavior that we just are completely um, amazed at. And when you're a bit of China or any kind of country that has different sort of behaviors and, and cultural and so on, you realize, oh my gosh, do you have any idea what that could produce or something? You know? And that's really what this is. It doesn't take much for it to occur. And once the pathogen has this opportunity, it becomes like what's called an, an opportunistic infection. That's means it takes advantage of a, a host that is clueless as to its um, capacity to infect. It spreads much faster because there's no recognition in your immune system. There's no, nothing that even senses this type of an antigen that would be presented to the body. So it's because it's so foreign, it can take over very quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened with swine flu because of a unique combination of pigs. And this is what happens with different, anytime you vary the H's and the N's on a virus, even minutely, you could end up with the Spanish flu of the 1918, which was the most devastating pandemic of all. Mm-hmm. And, or you could have something like this, where we have a unique orientation of the H's and the N's. And again, it's going to have, you know, we don't know what its outcome is going to be. We're sort of like at the beginning of it. But because of the, the awareness and the social distance, it's making a major impact as far as the ultimate spread will be. And as we saw in China, took that very seriously. And if they would have had it man-made, that would have been even more surprising because they came up with the best treatment. We're actually learning from them now. And actually in our organization, our Chinese... Um, counterparts that are there, our consultants, are the ones that are part of this process of recognizing the difference between the social distances and the outcomes of, of reduction of the and duration of the disease. 
So they're actually working with us in this process and validating that being the best method forward. It's not about taking a different type of drug. It's not a vaccine. It's the prevention of the, um, the, the virus having access to different hosts. Right. And that's why even the projectile that happens from a single sneeze or a cough or anything like that, it can go up to 25 feet. So mm. if a person sniffling or something like that, can they actually pass just a, a sniffle and a, a little bit has the potential to have a, a respiratory droplet and spray that could go five to seven feet. So we have to be aware of the fact that, you know, we're like pig pen, you know, from the, <laughs> the <laughs> yeah, um, like, you know, we were all carrying that, whether we see it or not. You know, that's why when it says we have an aroma of death to death, an aroma of life to life, <laughs> I mean, there is a literal biological one as well. And we're, it's following us wherever we go. So, you know, I, that's why I, it's so important for us to recognize that for every, every human has one. So, and, and not to avoid contact, but during this time, that's why the spiritual closeness is so important. Right. So, uh, I want to mm-hmm. touch on that. I want to come circle back around to that for a second because certainly this is going to impact the church, and it already has. Um, yeah. We're, we're recording this on a Sunday, and I don't know of a single church that actually met in our mm-hmm. area. Everyone did online, all of the churches that had that capability, and some that didn't were actually just canceling services. But We'll get back to yeah. that in a second because I want to talk about some ideas on how to, uh, st- some thoughts on staying close in the midst yeah. of like, uh, uh-huh. you know, quarantine esque, <laughs> uh, you know, situations. But yeah. so yeah. You, you say that when we actually, when we quarantine, so when we, when we do this social distancing, we're reducing the opportunities for hosts to spread because we're keeping it in closed, close, small, smaller circles and yeah. um and all of that um my my question is is with this particular virus as you've been studying it is this the type of thing where you can get it and if you survive it and then the next time it comes around if it ever were to come around again you would be more resilient or what yeah. do we, what do we know great question yeah what we do know is that that's a really good question because this is kind of why why do i keep having to take the flu shot why can't i just get one of the less than the rest of my life mm-hmm. because Every year, we talk about flu season, which we're in right now, as a matter of fact. Every year, there's a different variation. That's why the mutation rates are unknown for many types of viruses, including coronavirus. Because there's variations in its, in its mutations, the antibodies generated against it in terms of producing a vaccine are going to be different. Mm. And so... Even if we get past this one, and most 90, I mean, 80% of the people will minimum. Um, we'll just have even a mild case, but we don't know that at this point. We're just saying that because what we've seen in the past, it may be more virulent than we expected. However, you would think, oh my gosh, if it's more virulent, then I'm sure going to have antibodies for the next round. And the problem is, you probably won't. And you're probably going to have to take the vaccine because it's going to be looking, to, it's going to try to stay ahead of the wave as far as the uh, isolates that would be present in the in the um, environment that you're in um, for that coming flu season. And mm-hmm. so it's important to be aware of that because, you know, just because you may pass the test on this one doesn't give you a free pass for all future ones. Right. Okay. Yeah. Man. So I was, uh, I saw a statistic. Um, they were basically showing 
uh, historically uh, back from like, I think it went as far back as like 2002 or something like that. About every four uh-huh. to six years, we have some kind of weird outbreak happening. And, yeah. um, you know, yeah. like you were mentioning swine flu and SARS, and I think the other one was the bird yeah. flu and sure. um, yep. Mer- MRSA. MRSA, yeah. So is this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, or MERS. MERS is the Middle East. Um, yeah, MRSA is different. MRSA is oh, a, um, that's a, right, a, yeah. a microbiotic uh, bacterial thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah, MERS different. Yeah, yeah you don't one. want to get MRSA yeah. if you get cut because then, <laughs> then it spreads and you Yeah, can... yeah. Oh, my gosh. Major tangent. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah that's totally different. But yeah. so my thought was is this is. Okay, so I have a biblical understanding, and I know you would as well, and Rosie, you would probably agree with us on this. Uh, but for those that don't understand, like in the last days, so as we move a little bit more prophetic, um, these these are things that we should expect. These are things that we should yep. probably see. And is this because they're just the population and the ability for it to spread so easily? Um is that what part of this is? I mean, obviously, prof- prophetically, it's going to happen, so it's going to have to happen some way or another. Um, right. What's, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, and, and why are we, why are all of a sudden, there's a variety of reasons for that. It's coming from, you can sort of segment them into biological and theological and, and, you know, sort of like the sociological aspects of it. And, the biological aspects of it is, as we've been talking about, is the idea that, you know, they come around because of cultures and their, their impact from, uh, and I'm saying from animals and their interaction with animals. And as weird as that may sound, you think, well, gosh, has this been going on for, yes, for millennia? <laughs> There's been challenges with this. And yet, why do they come to the forefront so quickly? Because as cultures change, and just like specifically as China has let down its walls and now wants to integrate within the rest of the world and mm-hmm. wants to become more integrated into the rest of the world, these practices are going to become more frequently because of the exposure. And the exposure to a, a land that had been pretty much cut off ever since, believe it or not, you know, I mean, we're talking... It's so interesting when you actually go into some of the, the, the most remote regions of China, there's, you know, the, the term Shangdi, which is such a unique phrase in Chinese, but it's the what, it's the way they say God. And the Shangdi is the one true God. Because, you know, often we think of the Chinese as being pantheists and or Buddhists or, you know, thinking of, of almost atheists. They were, because in the Mosaic Tanya, we try to eradicate God completely. Mm-hmm. But the core of Chinese belief is the Shangdi, which is the one true God. And that was the understanding that came from the individuals that go back to the, you know, right after the flood. And ever since then, China has been a very walled off culture. And we're talking, it's had very little impact around the countries that are around it. And because of the ethnocentricity, uh, ethnocentricity of them, there hasn't been any of these sort of types of diseases that have been recognized. And that's why if you really look at where these different varieties are coming from, generally speaking, they center in the, the Asian and specifically in the Chinese culture. And, and, and all that to say is as they begin to integrate, we're going to start seeing a microbiological factor involved with that as well. Hmm. Now, is that um, conspiracy theory? I'm just simply a sociological dynamic. 
if you look at it just from the perspective of any culture that has been isolated over, we're talking centuries up to millennia, once the borders come down, just like what happened when we brought our wonderful smallpox to the ancient <laughs> Aztecs, yeah, right? Yeah. It didn't take much for us to eradicate an entire culture. So generally speaking, it's all about the cultural variables that play on what's happening in the biology in those microenvironments, and they become into this macro culture, and they become magnified. Hmm. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now, a cultural practice that has been magnified. And so we're, our immune systems, just like what happened with the Aztecs, are completely unfamiliar with some of the antigens we're seeing right now, so that they're all waking up to this and realizing that this is, we're not ready for it. Our immune systems weren't ready for it. So as, we, as our immune systems begin to learn and become more acquainted with us, then our genomics start to catch up. And you guys, I, don't, I know it's not all about epigenetics, but there is a factor of this involved. And how our genes respond to these different pathogens and their orientation. And they seem to interestingly play on some of the most key events that happen in immune recognition and antigen recognition. And so that whole immunology thing that we're all studying now because we're trying to understand the cultural impact on immunology and how is that going to affect us in the future because this is going to happen again, I promise. And it's going to be probably not another coronavirus because it's the most adaptable, it seems to be, of the different types of viruses that are mm -hmm. out there. And once they become more accustomed to it, it's almost like this virus is studying our system to see its best entry into our, and what's the best keys to take out for it to survive. So, you know, I, I know it sounds like there's some sort of this ontological aspect of a virus, but deep down inside there's something that's driving its behavior to take advantage so well, so hmm. acutely, and, and, and so profoundly to take a hold of, you know, a culture like this. So I don't think they're random at all. That's why you almost get the sense of, oh my gosh, this has to be man-made. How could something like this randomly occur? Right. Well, let's be honest. You know, biology always comes off that way. And we always want to be able to reduce it down to our understanding when we're just trying to catch up to what's happening in the biology. And you can, I would love to give credit to some scientists to come up <laughs> with this extraordinary genome, but believe it or not, they probably had nothing to do with it. So you, when you say cultural, so you're referring to like the bat soup or something like that. Yeah, exactly. We have no idea what was happening. What they're, what are you doing, and why would the two species next? <laughs> right. Why? Well, first of all, why would you eat a bat? But <laughs> and you know what? They're delicious. Are you kidding me? No. But yeah, there's, there's something happening that we just simply, you know, and I can just tell you, you go and you, you see what's on the table and you just go, you know, I believe the book of Acts was right, so I'm just going to pray and just God's going to bless it, right? And this is exactly the attitude we have to have. But there are times when you look down at it, you go like, this shouldn't still be moving. Right. There's no way. <laughs> right. It's got to kill this thing now. So, yeah. <laughs> That's like every missionary in, in Asia and India and Africa, right? Oh, big time. Yeah. yeah. Man. Yeah. So, okay. So that helps me understand more clearly like where origins and, mm -hmm. and, and spread. The spread. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. I, I mean, 
Uh, so I'm, and I regret to say this, but I'm, I'm not the per like whenever I start seeing mass hysteria, like, like, all right. So true confession moment here. We, uh, we didn't go out to the store and start hoarding stuff when people were going yeah. out to the store and we just waited for our regular grocery day that we go to the grocery store. But it turns yeah. out we actually need toilet paper <laughs> and yeah. now there's yeah. none around. Which uh, hey, we bought all of it. I'll I'll give you. Can some. I have like we four bought rolls? All of them. Yeah, I just need to get through oh, yeah. a week or so. No. Well, but, all I can say is that you know that was the one thing you don't need. Right. right? So, <laughs> exactly. This is a, this is a respir- You need to get some. Get Kleenex. This I know. Is a respiratory virus. Right. Okay? So you know you're gonna be blowing your nose, and even that is not. This is not even a blowing your nose. This is coughing. Mm. So the cough. The only thing you really have is, you know, I mean, what are you going to use, right? I mean, and the company you can expel, you know, phlegm. And that's kind of uh, what this is going to be. This has nothing to do with the GI at all. Yeah, so, right, right. You know, I don't know where the toilet paper thing came from. Who I don't know who started well, this, this. Why? This is what it doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah, because first of all, it's respiratory. So I guess if, yeah, if yeah. it's flu season and you get an upset t- stomach anyways, you should have had toilet paper. But. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. what was I gonna say? Um, it's so crazy mm. around here because it's not, you know, people are saying, oh, we got to stockpile food and all this stuff because it they're acting like they're not going to be able to leave their house, right? But you are going to mm-hmm. be able to leave, and it's not like it's an avalanche, you know, like and you're going to be stuck in your house for oh, a week or two. You know what I mean? There's rumors of martial law yeah. is going to come down. Yeah. And all but it, of this. Oh, I know it. I know it. Trust <laughs> me. I know it. Oh, my gosh. It is. It's really intensifying to a point where, you know, I mean, good grief. And all I can say is that the more you fuel that, mm-hmm. the more people will react that way. Right. You know, they're just going to go, okay, wow. So everybody else is doing this. So we're, we're all going to follow everybody else's behavior mm-hmm. and let's all get super paranoid. And, you know, I honestly, that's why the body of Christ is such an extraordinary opportunity right now to stand up and be a beacon of peace mm-hmm. and, you know, go and hang out in the supermarket and just walk around like you're just looking for something else and just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, <laughs> dude, aren't you going to go in? No, no, I just wanted to shop. I'm just here window shopping. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, there's an attitude that we need to bring as believers because the more we sequester, the more we stay at night, that's fair enough. It's good to keep our distance, but people are watching us from across the street. Right. And they're going to see what we're doing. And, and Pam and I were out in a walk today, and, you know, people will peer off the windows and they'll go, like, Oh my gosh, they're outside. They're breathing. <laughs> and I was going, like, Wow, really? I mean, are we supposed to be stay in your house and feel sorry for yourself? Get, there's nothing wrong with going on a walk around the block. Right. That's probably the best opportunity because a lot of people are just to have their garage doors open or something and they're just sitting there. And you know what? What a better way to share the gospel. Right. I mean, yeah. Seriously, we got the perfect opportunity to talk about the reason for the hope that's in us. Yeah. I mean, this is like a golden opportunity right now God's giving us. Yeah. And Be- the last thing we want to do is look at it like we're just going to take care of ourselves. I mean, think about Father Damien. Remember him? He was the guy on Molokai who went and helped with the lepers there. Mm. And I actually got to go visit the island of Molokai a, a year ago and just see what it was. And you know what? Yes, he did die of leprosy. However, he died really of the tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. And as he was there, he was, he, he was 
simply there, not because he was a great teacher, not because he was a great church planner. He just went there because he absolutely loved people like mm. this. And like, you know, as, where is our heart to this whole process? You know, I mean, really, some of the churches that are actually have their church today admittedly said, I can't afford to not have church today yeah, because yeah. we can't miss out on the tithing. Mm. Yeah. I was thinking, oh my gosh, what a horrible thing to have to think. I mean, honestly, that to me is like, fair enough, that we're supposed to be giving to our churches. Amen to that. Right. But sadly, what's the best way to love their sheep? Because it, is it really for them to be um, out in, in potentially getting the infection because of the, the giving problem? Because if that's really at the core of why you're doing it, then it's really something that we need to bring before the Lord and say, hang on, hang on. This is what's the best thing for the sheep in this. Yeah, right. Honestly. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I've had a lot of discussions with a variety of pastors, and they're all, they're all calling me saying, Lou, should we call church or not, Maddie Addy? <laughs> and, you know, each one of them, I say to them, you know, what do you think is the most loving thing to do to the sheep? And I, oh, yeah, exactly. Right. They're right. not going to backslide and go and hang out in bars, those, even though they're closed. <laughs> Right, so, right. I mean, what are they going to do? The body of Christ is designed to meet together in the home. That's what it was in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, Priscilla and Aquila had a church in the home at the very end of all of it, right? Yeah. So there's always the necessity to remember that the church really is in the home group, in the community groups now. Yeah. And, you know, the ones that actually have had the money are the ones that are succeeding the most. Right, so, right. And you know, what's funny is I think know. about, you know, I worked for one of those churches, you know, and we were growing and lot, very, th- it was thriving. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people that worked with me there would have loved a Sunday off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without, oh, having yeah. To, without having to take a vacation day, you know, it would have been oh. like whenever we had snowstorms yeah. here on the East Coast, we were all hoping it would come on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Not because, oh gosh, of yeah. only because we wanted a break because it was so busy. But, but I think so. Yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit for the believers that listen because we, you know, majority of our of our audience that listen to our podcast are Christians, and people yeah. people need to connect. They need to stay connected. And what yeah. are what are some great ways that they can safely? you know, honor this whole idea of we need to, you know, separate socially a little bit to create that, you know, what do they call it? The bell curve of that, flatten the curve of the spread. But how can we do this safely and both honoring to that and to the Lord in, you know, healthy way spiritually? Well, you know, the greatest thing is, is, it always goes back to what's in your hands, right? Mm. And the one thing that's in our hands more than anything else in our life these days is our phone. And that phone is designed not just for you to play games on, but call somebody. And you know what? If every every person in the body of Christ made a commitment to five minutes a day only, to five minutes, to call somebody, we would be as powerful and as potent as the underground church in Rome in the catacombs before the end of Rome. Why? Because it's that little bit of communication that we really never do. I mean, rarely do we ever call people. We just text them with an emoji, which is fine. (laughs) 
But <laughs> calling somebody with a voice at the other end or a FaceTime or something is transformational when somebody hears your voice. Right. A spiritual connection of a phone call is the greatest. And another one is doing drive-bys where you just literally make some food or something like that. Tell you people just to look on your porch in a, an hour or so and just go and just deliver something like food or something that you want to just bless people with. Yeah. And I mean, something along those lines, it's just another way I think, I know you're here and I know you're alone. And I know that this is weird. So let's just disentangle this weirdness. Let's diffuse it with an act of love. Because yeah. the confusion that's coming from the enemy is really going over time right now. Mm-hmm. He's taken such advantage of weak believers, saying, I knew they wouldn't go to church. This is so typical. All the trick was some drive-by virus to stop their church service. Mm-hmm. When the truth is, is that this is where our light shines right now. And and when the, the world sees our attitude, oh, how they love one another. And it was all based on how they're giving to one another, not mm. by any other means, not by how much of the Bible study they knew or any of that. No, it was how they loved one another. And that's the key is that, that that's what people are looking at. That's what they see. If they see a lot of believers that have been sharing the gospel and all of a sudden the neighbors see them across the street and they're alone all the time, it's just another little segment of saying, I told you, when mm-hmm. I think our, our voice becomes a lot louder with our attitudes and our actions, and that's one of the, those are the two actions that God's called us to. And, you know, First John was written for a reason. So, hmm. you know, it's time to own it, Yeah, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Man, and, and maybe this is, um, <laughs> so, okay, bear with me. I had a couple thoughts that have been just lingering in my head for the last 30 minutes. So yeah. when we talk about, um, so uh, this is all going to make sense in a second. When we talk about the okay. the spread of the virus, the way the spread the virus spreads is when cultural walls break down, and they begin yeah. to expand, and basically we bleed culturally into one another, and um, yeah. and so it has it creates opportunities for um, new new viruses to uh, be introduced into new hosts that have never seen it, which yeah. are, which are going to be much weaker and easier for them to spread. Um, yeah. when, when you were talking about that, I was thinking, well, the ultimate end game from, according to the Bible is that there's going to be a need for a one world government. What, yeah. what would be the perfect setup then? And what would lead into that would be a one, one world culture. That's just so bled together that there's, not a whole lot of distinctions any longer. Um, yeah, we see a movement where they're trying to eliminate religions, so they want like this coexisting all one, all roads you know lead to heaven type of uh, spiritual yeah. spirituality. Yeah. That's ingraining and it's yeah. making its ways into the church even. Um, so uh-huh. so that was like one of my things is that okay so pestilence will spread because the cultures are breaking down in the, not the cultures are breaking down. Well, they are, but the cultural barriers are breaking down. And so it creates a, it basically creates gateways for them to move in. And, um, and then the need for, uh, a government to help alleviate that problem. So I see how the new pestilences that would come forth in the end times that Jesus even spoke about in, you know, in the gospels, 
um, how that could set up. And then this could be literally a training ground. The next month could be an, a really simple boot camp for the believers that are so used to institutionalized buildings to yeah. take take church into their homes and with their neighbors the way it uh -huh. originally happened. So it almost could be working all together, like because eventually the church will probably have to go underground again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, unless yeah. The, unless God decides to blow the trumpet and the rapture comes, which we all hope in, like every generation hopes in it. You know, I'm hoping yeah. in it. My theology is that there's a pre-trib rapture, you know? Of course, the older yeah. I get, the, the more open I am <laughs> to other things, but yeah, I hold on time. to that hope. And the Bible is very clear that we should encourage one another with these things because, you know, it speeds its coming and all of that. But my, 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 my reality is is that the, that more than likely the church is going to be it's going to have to move away from what we've experienced as in a tremendous blessing it's been used worldwide for for centuries now here especially from the united states to to uh get the gospel out into places where it wasn't currently getting um but yeah. maybe that time and that season is going to come to an end and it's going to have to go underground and it's like will the real believers make it is it going to thin the you know thin the herd if you will um yeah for those believers when they face those hardships you know oh yeah exactly and, and that's kind of that's the real symptom that's happening right now. i couldn't agree more mm -hmm. is that as these walls start to come down and it's exactly like you're saying as the one world government starts to get even the idea of that happening those walls aren't just, you know, like the walls of Mexico and the United States. It's not like this physical wall. It's a biological wall. Mm -hmm. And the minute that biological wall breaks down, it becomes highly profound. And not only in, you know, cultural differences as far as, you know, the sociological factor, but, you know, and in learning different, you know, traits and ways and understanding and so on. But it's, it's looking at diet. Mm -hmm. It's looking at what's considered, you know, like medicines and all of those, you know, like, like the traditional Chinese medicine is all of a sudden that TCM is meeting the world of pharmaceuticals in China as we speak. And they're seeing the benefit between the two and they're combining them. So we start looking at new drugs that are coming from, you know, sort of taking apart, you know, deconvoluting these formulations that are used for, you know, these concoctions in China they're seeing that there's efficacy in some of this, and so there's all of a sudden we're going to start seeing a different type of pharmaceutical. And as these start to get formed, and you know, I'm telling you, we don't understand the toxicology that's going to happen from some of this stuff. Hmm. We, a, a number of us are going like, have, we have no idea what to expect with some of these new ideas. Hmm. And yet, lo and behold, this is happening right now. Hmm. And we can either run away from it, just like all of us want to do, and just quarantine the rest of our lives, and sit in a church and just hope everything just goes away. God is not going to let us as believers just hide in Petra. It yeah. isn't going to happen until that actually does happen. But at this <laughs> point in our lives, right. we need to we need to realize that we're in a world that is changing by the hour, not by the day anymore. Hmm. By the, it's changing that quickly, and regardless where you live, because you know as much as we want to go and live in Coeur d'Alene, I get it, I understand that our our heart's desire is, the, is in pleasing God isn't to leave the communities we're in, 
but to thrive in them. Yeah. And God wants us to thrive in these areas. He doesn't want us to just pack up and leave and just go live in isolation. You know, and this is this is a real symptom of that right now. It's taking a little taste of the fact that, you know, we're going to join with the world and they're going to watch us up close. They can't see us when we're living in these distant little places in the middle of nowhere. They can see us full on right in front of them. They're going like, whoa, there's something distinctly different about that guy. And how does that happen? They're sitting in the office right next to you. You know, that's what's happening right now. Yeah. And this this coronavirus is a classic example of our reaction. They're watching us big time. I never thought my mother-in-law would ever let me ever open my mouth about Jesus. And she's getting, it's just amazing. How people are (laughs) just coming right down to this reality of saying like, hey, what does he believe? Because we just wrote him off as Jerry Falwell. Well, maybe there's something more than that, you know? Hmm. I mean, yeah, Jerry Falwell, but what what does that even mean? You know, <laughs> is it because, you know, there's something in this that's really real? And we're going to get chances that we never thought, ever, imagined, to say something. Hmm. And, pray, I, and to pray for people. This, amen. Absolutely. And for us to, you know, just say in Jesus' name at the end of the prayer. Right, you know, like whoa, 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 where did that come from? And, and, and you know, there it is. And maybe, maybe even some miraculous healings would happen, and yeah. you know, Amen. some of those anxious hearts would be just stilled by the peace of the presence of the Holy Spirit and the prayer and and an experience like uh-huh. you know, not just a knowledge of Him, but knowing Him, like an experiential Absolutely. knowledge. You know that we always uh-huh. talk about, man. Yeah. Yeah, these yeah. are these are great opportunity oppor- times of opportunity for the church and for believers, and this is when we should be the most bold, mm-hmm. because we have yeah. the answer. This is the thing that frustrates me. We exactly. have the answer, we, and, and we shouldn't uh-huh. have fear, right? Exactly. exactly. I mean, Jesus <laughs> told us, man, in this world you will have troubles, but take heart, I have overcome yeah. the world. You know, his, yeah. his exact words were, "This isn't surprising to you. Mm. This, this, I prepared mm-hmm. you." <laughs> and yeah. as bad as it could get, yeah. which it could get bad. I mean, some loved ones could contract this, you know, some, you might, you yeah. know, a listener who's listening to this right now might, might have it, you know, might yeah. con- contract the virus, but tr- put your trust in the Lord, just surrender to him. He loves you and he's got a plan. And once you surrender yeah. to him, the eternal state of your soul has been, is now settled. And then you yep. can have joy even in the midst of pain and sorrow and, and in the midst of uh-huh. uh, great tribulation, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we say that all Amen. the time here. <laughs> yeah. But No, it's important. It's like, you know, we can talk all you want to about cleaning our hands, but it does go right back to cleaning our hearts. Mm. Yeah. Because really, that's the core of it, you know? I mean, if our hearts are not clean and there is sin, and we do know that, what a better time than right this second to right. ask Jesus to come in. Yeah. You know, really. Yeah. I'm with Honestly. you. <laughs> it's the best decision anyone could ever make. And and it's yeah. simple. It's it, a free gift. You know, you're on the receiving yeah. end of all the goodness of it too. And it and, and this is the thing, is you know, Isaiah talks about the Savior and the Messiah, how that he was uh you know, he was stricken for our infirmities. 
you know yeah he bore our stripes yeah. you know by by his stripes we are healed he bore all of our sickness yeah. upon himself yeah um and i think there's a lot of misunderstanding uh -huh. in that because it would maybe it to some it would mean oh well i'll never get sick on earth no the it's mm. talking about the eternal sickness of sin that there is no cure for other than the perfect yeah. blood of jesus which you have Amen. to you have to get that transfusion you know that spiritual blood yeah. of transfusion of christ to wash that away absolutely but, but talk about yeah. epigenetics man <laughs> you're a new Holy. creation <laughs> absolutely he does he re-engineers you entirely man yeah you're no longer your own you're bought with a price that's what's so beautiful about it. when jesus purchases you you do become a new creature in him mm -hmm. he does all things new yeah that's right there's no, there's no other way for him to do it, because <laughs> no, you're one with him, and he's, he's not of, he's not of this world. So in order for us to be able to be one with him, we have to be made different. We have to be recreated, uh -huh. and so it's a new, Absolutely. it's a new birth, you know. But um, uh -huh. man, Lou, so uh -huh. let me ask you a question. I want to go back a little bit here. Let me ask you a question about timeline, like in your understanding of these things. What are some, mm -hmm. what are some like, un, I don't, I'm not asking f for like hard numbers because obviously there's so much that's unpredict, you know, there's so much unpredictability to this, but are you thinking like a 30 day to 30 to 60 day, um, crest when we see like the bulk of it come through the United States or is it going to be, yeah. you know, sooner um, than that? Well, I think right now we're heading into the middle of it. And right now, it's pretty much, when I say we're in slow season, you know, people that are going to be coming in to Walmart, Target, parking lots, and all these different places, they get a test. They're going to be getting tested, but they're going to be looking at their symptoms and saying, oh, yeah, they're flu-like symptoms is what the first indication is. And most likely, it's going to be the flu, which is what's happening right now. Coronavirus is, yes, it's within the general category, but it'll be probably 1% to 2% at the most. And then, the, you know, 3 to 5%ers are going to be the ones that are ill that are going to have, you know, the regular flu. Mm. And, and as that intensifies, and it will intensify in the larger metropolitan cities like, you know, New York and possibly LA, although, you know, it's just hard to predict because you can't really judge the way behaviors are. But normally within real close quarters, you're going to have a greater population of those that will become infected and it will happen. And I believe it's going to um, happen over the next month, two months, maybe. And then you're going to see a little bit dying out and so on. And that's generally the course of the flu season mm -hmm. and it's going to be a part of that wave that comes in with it. That's why, you know, treating it just like a regular flu is fair enough um, for most of the population. But this is one of those types that it's just best as a believer to, yes, as it's, the words are as just being that extra level of caution and recognizing that there is a reason why there have been these measures and they're coming down from CDC, FDA, and so on. And fair enough, we'll take that to heart. But the most important thing as a believer is to not be so entrenched in the things I can't do mm -hmm. that I just live 
in a corner, pathetic and, you know, doing that. God wants us to do the next thing, period. Yeah. And the best way to get out of this sense of isolation is to do the next thing, i.e. at home, have a list of things that you're going to do. If you have to work from home, which I do, I think one of the, the best way to survive a working from home is to schedule phone calls with people. Mm-hmm. Schedule recess time. I mean, pretend like you're in elementary school. I mean, <laughs> reward yourself. You know, do things that are going to keep your day as, as, as interesting and motivating as you possibly can so that you're not going to miss a month of time after this is over and regret that you didn't do anything. All you did is sit around and worry about it and watch Fox News. This is the time to, yeah, you can watch the news, but integrate that time and put boundaries on it. So you've got, I'm gonna watch TV for an hour, shut it off and go in the other room and just you know do it as it were, just like the different segments that we have for elementary, junior, high school, is to make them all different periods. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't schedule in some way of exercising, or eating properly, or praying, or calling somebody, all of those things can fill up a day very quickly. And then at the end of the day, you've accomplished something, and your anxieties are diminished dramatically. So scheduling your life is so key in the sense of quarantine. That's why, you know, when you feel like you're in jail, when you're home alone and all this stuff, it's up to us individually, and just like Paul did in jail. He wrote the letter of Philippians, right? He used the time to recognize that there are people out there that really needed encouragement. Communicate that. That's one of the greatest ways of spending time. That's called ministry. So, you know, we, it's so, like I say, the enemy wants you to sit around and feel sorry for yourself. That's the goal. And it's a total waste of time at this point. Yeah. The best use of our time as disciples of Jesus is to put on the Lord Jesus and not give any room for the flesh. And that includes anxiety. Mm. So, yeah. Awesome. That is great advice. (laughs) That is awesome, man. Amen. Malou, I tell you, I, I, uh, Rosie, is there anything that you want to add or ask? I think we've been pretty on sync. You've asked everything. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right on. Oh, I have have kind of a throwaway question, but, uh, it'd be interesting. Um, I've been hearing people, this sounds so silly after everything we just talked about, but, uh, hand sanitizer, why are, why is it getting, yeah. uh, cause I've, I've seen people talking about how bad it is in this particular thing. And we've been talking about washing your hands. So maybe in a very practical way, um, yeah. is hand sanitizer bad? Should we be using that? Should we yeah. not be using it? Yeah. I, I don't even know why somebody would say it's bad because, <laughs> You know, it's anything is good it's right. as long as it's not, you know, loaded with a virus. So I think hand sanitizer <laughs> is bad if if you have it. And the goal of it is, is if I don't have running water around, use that. That's the okay. point of the hand sanitizer. So if you're able to wash your hands with running water, do that. Most importantly, with soap in 15 seconds. That's the best. And do it at least. And we're talking, you know, and I know it sounds crazy, but on the hour. I know it sounds like insanity. You're going like, all I've been doing is sitting here all day. It doesn't matter. It, mm. That's not the point. The point is you have no idea where your hands have been. You right. know, all I've been doing is sitting here. That's the point. You've <laughs> probably been touching your face like every three seconds, not even knowing it. So, you know, I encourage you to just sometimes just look at your hands for five minutes and you're going to go, oh my gosh, 
you, you, they just start shaking because they're not doing anything. They're supposed to be in your face. And that's, that's, that's our reality. Mm. Our autonomic nervous system is so engineered for touching our bodies in some fashion that, you know, to be able to discipline ourselves with them is critical. That's why even watching it and taking your calendar and writing it every hour, just write W Y H. Wash your hands, just do it. <laughs> and every hour, you're going like, oh my gosh, and it sounds like, a, you know, you almost sound like, you know, John the Baptist or these guys that used to go and do the mikvahs all the time. That's really what it is, though. It's like a mikvah. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. You know, and it sounds like a religious washing, whatever you want to call it, fine. The point is, is doing it is a way of preventing the distribution of the virus to portals of entry. The portal of entry for a respiratory virus is your mouth and in your nose and even in your eyes. Hmm. So that portal of entry in microbiology is the best description and it's really the key description of how we contract a virus. Nose, mouth, eyes are the keys. Okay. And mouth. Yeah, nose, mouth, eyes. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The three frontal orifices. Shoulders, knees, and toes. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Man. Wow. Yeah. Well, Lou, I just want to tell you, man, yeah. every time I talk to you, I always just get super encouraged and uh, just hearing your yeah, voice when we when you called, like you were saying, uh, just hearing a voice sometimes, it hearing your voice actually made me get excited because of um, just my our history as a friend. To me, you've been so faithful and just your faithfulness to the Lord, how you've um, just always been such a solid, just awesome voice of truth to multiple generations now, man. I mean, we met through a friend of mine that's about 10 years younger than me that came through Bible college that you were one of his professors. And um, I just get excited for anybody that can be around you that gets to kind of glean from you. Uh, because of of your commitment to the Lord, your faithfulness, and just uh, your your giftings, uh, you have a wonderful gift of encouragement. Uh, I don't know if you know that oh, or not, but you, you do. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, so do you, brother. You've uh, been a massive encouragement to me as well, and uh, you've been through it, dude. And I know God is going to take you to that next step, even again. But just trust him because he's faithful. You know that. I do. I do. We do. Once you yeah. once you walk with him through yeah. enough valleys and you come out the other side, you realize, hey, you know, he hasn't left me. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's almost like valleys are good. So, yeah. <laughs> they do have their purpose and yeah. they, they do work. God uses yeah. them, man. That's wow. right. Oh, Man, yeah. well, thank you for sharing with our wow. audience and anyone listening. You can, yeah. um, Lou, is it, are you on social media or anything, or do you have like? You know, I, I, I sometimes, but I yeah. LinkedIn is all I've ever done, and even that, I just kind of minimize my <laughs> presence on it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I should do it more, but it's just like, you know, the best version is I'm, Catholic Bible College okay. website is where I am. Okay, and you know, you can get me. Um, just Google my name. I'm part of the expelled list, so it doesn't matter. But you know, <laughs> they just find out that too. <laughs> I couldn't even get in. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I hear you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll um, we're gonna post uh, this, and we'll we'll uh, we'll put a link to the Calvary Chapel Bible College there in the show notes, so that people can search you out through, through their website. But 
Lou, thanks again Great. for be, spending time yeah. with us and sharing with us this really you know, yes. awesome information on this coronavirus and how it works and so that we can just be wiser and, uh, you know, for our audience, remember, wash your hands, <laughs> Amen. make the best use of your time. And if you're a Christian, be yeah. bold, just speak the truth and, go. and don't freak out. Don't there freak you go. out. That's right. And don't freak out. My peace I Amen. leave with you, right? Isn't that what he said? Yeah. So. Exactly. Awesome. Well, Lou, thanks again, man. Yeah. All right, guys. We Thank will, you. We're going to have uh -huh. you on again. I know that for sure. But uh, we will talk right to on. you soon, man. Super. All right. Thanks, man. All right. See you guys. Uh -huh. Bye. God bless you guys. Uh -huh. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll catch you next time.